talk about inheritance today. I'm going to talk about inheritance. What does that mean? What does that mean? What is it? I want everybody to stand with me if you would for a moment. Father, as we enter into this word today, as we join together and we move forward, help us to see and help us to hear. Not only by the natural, but also by the spirit. I want every single person in this room, in our heart, I want us to understand what it is you're trying to release to us. Help us see past where we are. Help us grow into what you want us to be. You've equipped us. You've enabled us. You've given us every tool that we need. What we need to do is lay hold of those things. Never letting go of the wrong tool, or the right tool, but letting go of the wrong tool. Help us to discern. Help us to understand what it is you're leading us into so that every day you are glorified. I declare that today and pray that today that this word that I'm releasing will dive deep into the hearts of every man and woman in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. You may be seated. So inheritance, turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We're going to begin with verse 11, and we're going to move through verse 24. So Luke chapter 15, if the easiest way for you to follow along is on the Holy Bible app on your phone or your iPad or whatever smart device you have, or if you have Samsung, your dumb device, whatever it is, if you have, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. And, uh, but they're always trying to catch up. But, you know, it might be slower, but you'll get there. Let me know when you arrive next week. But the... But whatever device you're on, if you, the easiest way to do it is go to the Holy Bible app. If you click on more and then events, you'll find the Rock of Central Florida. These scriptures are right there. It really makes it easy for you to follow along. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus said this. He said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property, the father divided his property between his sons. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, everybody say, he spent everything. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, yet no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, everybody say, he came to himself. I hope we have some come to ourselves moments this morning. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but here I am dying with hunger. I will arise and I'm going to my father and I will say to him, Dad, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. Let me back up to verse 19. Here this young man is so distraught, he is already in his mind devising, what can I say to my dad that I think will cause my dad to receive me? How can I use the right words that will help my dad to accept me back into his fold? In his mind, he lost sight of what sonship really is. We'll come back to that. He said, Father, uh, verse uh, 18, 
and 19. I will rise and go to my father and I will say to him, here he is thinking about what he will say. I've sinned against heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So he arose and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But, everybody say but. But But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best rope and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand. And put shoes on his dirty bare feet. Bring the fattest calf we have and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead, but now he is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. And they began to celebrate. This week, I was in a meeting with uh, the ministry brothers that I have walked with for many, many years, uh, over 20 years, almost 30 years actually, have been walking with a group of men and women, uh, uh, their families, of different churches, various churches around the country. And Kim and I have been walking with them for, like I said, almost 30 years, maybe a little, uh, no, I guess almost 30 years, but it's been a long time. So we've grown to know these families, we've grown to know these ministers and these brothers, and, and we have deep connections uh, after all of that time, and yet the funny thing is, is we sat in this conference room and we try to get together every six months and sharpen one another, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So we sit in this room and we do this and we converse and we share what's in our heart and we talk about those things and, and one person might say something and then everybody else will add something to that or say, well, you know, I just, I see it maybe like this. And, and it really brings clarity to where the father wants to bring all of us. And, and we all glean, we all walk away with a different understanding of certain things. Oftentimes though, in those meetings, it can become a little bit contentious. Sometimes in those meetings, um, uh, there's arguing, there's, there's snapping, you know, there's, this one will, will get upset with what this one said and feel like it was an attack against maybe what they believed or what have you. Because keep in mind, every one of these men have a different perspective on what they're reading and what they're seeing and what they're doing. So often we'll sit in that room and it becomes a little bit contentious, and, but it always ends well. At the end of that, two people that might be contentious will hug up, love one another and say, I love what you see. I hope you love what I see where we're at and uh, we'll, we'll move forward from there. This meeting was different in this sense. From the beginning to the end, there was a a phrase that I want to use that a friend of mine that was there, Todd Murner, shared, and he shared a description of this meeting, and he said, for the first time in any of these meetings, I can only sum this up as there is unity in our diversity. And he looked around the room and he began to talk. He shared a couple of situations. He and I, in fact, Todd and I uh, would often... um, go back and forth with one another in a good way. But he said there is unity in diversity. And I thought, you know, what a wonderful thing because over the years, I've been in ministry now for 33 years, 
And as I have walked through ministry and as I have taught and preached and, and changed over all these years, I've seen so many different seasons, even in my own life, and what the Father had called me to that um, just change. I mean, there's so much that I don't believe today that I did believe 30 years ago, 33 years ago. And there's so much that I do believe today that I didn't then, vice versa. It's such a change. And when you're walking with God, when you walk with Yahweh, I can tell you there's always a shifting. I've said this before. I'll say it again. In fact, I'll say something I shared this morning uh, when I was meeting with a council before we came out. The word of the Lord never changes. God is God is God. What he is yesterday, he will be today. What he was yesterday, he will be today. What he is today, he will be tomorrow. He is consistent. God does not change. What does change is our understanding, our interpretation of what he's doing. So what I started in 33 years ago, and I understood and accepted and preached, this is it. This is the way you live a good, godly life. And I would preach it, and I would stand in the pulpit, and I would yell it. In fact, my kids the other day pulled up a video when I was doing tent meetings back in 1988, 87. And I was doing tent revivals and tent meetings, and they pulled up a video the other day, and, and they said, oh, you've got to see this. And they showed me this video that I was, where I, was, I looked very different, had a mullet, and uh, I had on those big baggy, what were those baggy uh, hammer pants, yeah, and, and I'm preaching in this tent, you know, and I'm running back and forth, and I'm doing things and saying things. The sound of my voice is the same. But the, the content, wait, what, 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 what's the snickering about? I did have a little twang back then. I don't have a twang anymore. I, I think, I don't know where that twang came from. But I, but I happened to be at that time, I was in Macon, Georgia, preaching this tent meeting, tent revival. And, and, and I was running back and forth, and I was saying these things. And, and as I listened just to a couple of the things that were being said in that little short clip of a video... As I listen to a couple of those things, I relate to now some of that, and I think, I don't even, there's no way that would be a part of my life now. <laughs> if I had the clip, we should probably put it up there. You'll understand. But I thought, there's no way that would be a part of my life now. That was before I met my wife, and real revelation came. A man who finds a wife finds a good thing. <laughs> that favor is beautiful. But when I was preaching it that evening in that tent, I still remember it. I still remember that tent. I still remember setting up, tearing that thing down everywhere we went. I still remember looking at the people in the chairs batting at mosquitoes and fly. I don't even know people do tent meetings anymore. But when I was preaching at that time in that tent, what I do know is this, when I was preaching it, I believed it emphatically, every word of it. There was not a single word I would have changed at that time. That was 30-something years ago. But since then, as I begin to grow and begin to change, remember, the Father doesn't change, but we do. We change according to his, we're becoming, we're moving into who he is more and more every day. If, if, if that's our passion, if we're looking 
for the right inheritance. So today there's things that I would not do. First of all, I wouldn't do a tent meeting. That would be the beginning point. But there's things that I would not say today that I was saying then because while the Father did not change, my interpretation of what the Father was doing did change. I'm thankful that we begin to interpret through time when Christ roamed the earth in bodily form and wore a toga and sandals. I'm thankful that men and women came to the knowledge and understood that you know what? Through my interpretation of time, I'm no longer wearing that robe or sandals, but I'm coming in a t-shirt and blue jeans, whatever it is. Time changes. Our understanding of what the Father wants to do begins to change. And I said to the team, the council this morning, I said to them, I said, it's like this. When you step into the ocean, when you first step in, and I love that we sang that song, Deep Calls Unto Deep as well. When you step into the ocean, when you first put your feet in the sand or in the water, there's not much you can see. You'll see some sand, you'll see some rocks, you'll see some shells, you'll see some hermit crabs. That's about all you're going to see. But the deeper you get into that ocean, the further out you're willing to go. Depends on how brave and, 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 and determined you are. What do I really want to see? And the deeper you go, suddenly things begin to be revealed. You get into a certain level and suddenly there's coral. It's beautiful. You go past that and suddenly you see little ravines. When my wife and I, and I'll say this quickly, but we love water. And we've always been snorkelers, always. And we raised our kids to love the water. And we've all been snorkelers, snorkelers, snorkelers. We love it. But one of the things I always hated was I didn't like that as a snorkeler, I could dive down up to 40 feet and I could look at something, but then I would have to immediately go back up. Just about the time I was focusing on this beautiful coral or fish, I had to go back to the surface to catch a breath. So we decided, well, if I want to see that fish or I want to see that coral, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, and I can only get to 40 feet deep, max. If I want to see that and I want to spend some time among those things, then I need to prepare myself. We need to prepare ourselves to be able to do that. So we went and we got scuba certified. So now I can tell you that both of us have been down as deep as 110 feet. And when you get down that deep, we're able to now see ships that you are not going to see at 40 feet. We're able to see coral and grouper that are as big as you are. We're able to see sharks and we're able to see uh, barracuda in places and, and we're able to see caves. And when we were in the Honduras a few years in Honduras, not the Honduras, like it's the only one, one of many. When we were in Honduras... Uh, some years ago, on a, we went over there for a missions trip, and, and on the way back, or on the way over there anyway, we stopped, and we went into this, we stayed at this dive resort for a few days, and when we were at that dive resort, we went out there, and we were able to dive down, and not only were we able to see coral, but we were able to get into that coral, and there were caves within that coral. So the dive, the leader of the dive group, there were maybe 10 or 12 of us, the leader of that dive group begins to guide us through this. And I mean, it gets dark. It gets dark in these caves. And, and you're diving through there and you're seeing all of these things you would never see if you stayed in the shallows. And you just said, you know, this is good enough for me. I, think, I, I, I like my ankle bones wet, but that's about as much as I want wet. If you stay there, the inheritance is never going to be found in the shallow water. The inheritance is never going to be found in what I can do easily. The inheritance is what I find in the places I have to prepare myself for. 
I'm going to get to why I'm talking about this today. So we dove and, and discovered it was amazing. And then we did a night dive. It's pitch black. There's no light. They take us out into the ocean. And they say, jump off. <laughs> where's the bottom? You know, I want to know where's the bottom. What's on the bottom? What's got its mouth wide open waiting on me? But we got on the back of that boat and we flipped over into the water and we, we go straight to the bottom because if you hang around at the top, see, these are things, this is part of what you need to know. And listen, all this is going to come together in a minute. But if you hang around at the top in the night with your little flashlight, all the jellyfish come to the light. So if you stay at the top of the water, you are putting yourself in harm's way. The only place of safety in the night in the ocean is on the bottom, in the deepest part. Even if you take that flashlight and go to the bottom, the jellyfish will not go to the bottom. They're going to stay at the top. And then you get down there to the bottom, and all of a sudden you see things that you would have never seen. All of a sudden the things you don't see in, in the daytime, the lobster and everything that are all hiding away. You're swimming around in the bottom of this water thinking, and you can't help but wonder, what's watching me? You wonder that. You do. Always. And, but you're swimming around and you just make sure you're never on the outside of the group. You're always in the middle, sort of like the penguins do in the winter. You make sure you're in the middle. Don't get on the outside. So if you see blood in the water, ascend. And, but you're swimming around and you're, you're seeing things and you've come into this deep place that you had to prepare for. You had to make way for. And you only get to that deep place the deep place didn't change because I'm in it. I changed because I'm in the deep place. So our understanding of what the Father wants to do doesn't change because He changes His mind. We change because we grow into a deeper place in Him. Does that make sense? So while we were at this meeting this week, uh, Todd Murner mentioned that, the unity and diversity, but then a, another friend of mine, is, he's incredible, and he's been here, and he's preached here, and you, would, you love him, those of you that know him, those of you that don't, you'll meet him one day, but his name is Joe Howard, and he made a statement, and he said, you don't ask, what is my inheritance, but you ask, where is my inheritance, so that you can steward over it, man, it just rang out to Kim and me, you know, that whole thing, in fact, as soon as he said it, I said, I got to talk about that Sunday because it was so rich in the depth of what he said. Let me say it again. He said, you don't ask what is my inheritance, but you ask where is my inheritance so that you can steward over it. I want to talk about this. And he referenced a few things that I want to point out very quickly. I'm not going to take long today, but he referenced a few things. One of them was, he said, consider a coach. You know, all the time coaches in NFL, NCAA, basketball, football, whatever it is, a coach, Little League, anything, a coach gets fired. And then they bring in a new coach. Well, the new coach inherits whatever the other coach built up. He didn't get to choose the players. He didn't get to choose the people on the team. He inherits that. So he has to work through the process of that inheritance. So some of those recruits came in in college football. They came in on a four-year scholarship. Well, he can't just say, you're off the team because he doesn't like the player. But he inherited the player. So he has to move through the process of time if he can make it that long. He has to move through until their four years is up. And every year, he can recruit his players. He can recruit the ones that he believes will add to the vision that he has 
for that team. Also, he talked about how presidents, and we all know this, we know that when, when we have an election every four years, every time we have an election, the president that's elected into office inherits whatever the previous president left. They inherit that. So there's a season that they have to work through whatever they inherited. Sometimes they work through that well, and sometimes they work through it not so well. It's irrelevant. What's relevant is that they received a condition of a country. They received the condition of the people, not because of their choices, but because of the previous presidency. And then likewise, the third thing that he mentioned was a child, child who is born into our family and inherits whatever the parents possess. Whatever is within them, that child ends up inheriting, both physically and in every other way. That child inherits it. I want to read something. I want to talk about this for just a few moments this morning. And I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about building, build and increase. And I want to talk about visualizing the unseen. Visualizing the unseen. So let's begin with build and increase. The inheritor has no control over what he gets when he moves that coach, that president, that child, that whatever it is. That the inheritor has no control over what he receives. What they do have control over is what they leave behind for the next generation. I don't have any control over what I received as a child. My family was not well-to-do. Uh, they were not any of that. My family, I came from a family that is in my mother's watching today, and some of my other family is watching today, and I love that. My grandparents watch, my grandmother watches, my aunt, and different ones, so they know what I'm about to say. But I didn't come from the lap of luxury. I didn't come from a place where uh, there was a whole lot that was given to me as far as hopes for a better future. I came into a family that was disrupted in a thousand and one different ways. Divided. Confused about purpose. Some served God, some didn't. Some believed in God but didn't honor Him. And I came into this, certainly had love, I was never unloved, but I was loved, but there was no inheritance that I would really want to, and this is not a mark against those, my family that is watching or those who raised me, it's not a mark against them, it's just to say I'm thankful for what I did get, but it wasn't enough. You're going to take that all wrong, I don't want you to, because I have passion for something else. In the same way, what I received from Christ on the day of salvation wasn't enough. I have passion for a deeper understanding of who He is. The problem with most believers today is they come into the kingdom, they come, they receive Christ, they repent of their sins, they receive Christ, they're saved, and they believe this is it. Therefore, they meander through the rest of their life saying to everybody how they're a believer, they're a Christian, I got saved, I've been born again, this is what God's doing in me, but they never really access the greater inheritance that is available to them. They never really move into that because this is what I got the day I arrived, 
therefore I believe this is the best I'm going to get. But it's not. So when I came into this family and I was born into this family, and I'm glad I was born into my family, there were a lot of things about that that I did not want to take in to my family. My parents were divorced. There was a lot of struggle, a lot of challenge. I'm being kind. A lot of difficulty. I met my biological father, did not meet my biological father until I was 18 years old. There's no chance that I was going to accept, even though that's what I was born into, and that was my opportunity. That's what my inheritance was. But it is not where my inheritance is coming from. You with me? There was no chance that I was going to say, this is my inheritance. Hallelujah. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to have children and never meet them until I'm 18 years old. I'm going to get married and then divorce my wife because that what, that's what my inheritance was, but that is not where my inheritance is coming from. You need to hear what I'm telling you today. There's people under the sound of my voice in this room and watching online today. You have accepted the what about your inheritance. You know exactly what your inheritance is, but you have no idea where your inheritance is supposed to be coming from. And you have, you have focused so much on the what. The condition I'm in, it's because my parents did this, or this one did this, or my job did this, or my boss said this, or my friend did this, or these people didn't build me up, or this person tore me down, or I got fired here, or got hired there, or got this, or got into this. Or, or you got a thousand and one reasons. This is just what my inheritance is. This is just what it's going to be. And you've accepted that. And the father said, no, no, no. No, no. It's okay to know what it is. It's okay to know this is what my inheritance is. This is what I was born into. I didn't have any choice over these things. I can tell you today, let me just clarify this because I want you to be smiling about my life now. And I can tell you today, my mother loves God with all of her heart, soul, and mind. My aunt, my grandmother, my grandfather got saved listening to one of our services before he passed away. I want to tell you it's a totally transformed situation. But a choice had to be made. I could accept the what and duplicate it over and over and over again. Or I could look at the where is my true inheritance coming from. And I can begin to work towards that and build for that and be increased because of that. So the coach, the president, the child that's born in these things, they cannot live on the vision of the previous owner, but we have to hear the voice of God. For our own vision of what the inheritance looks like. The prodigal son asked, what is my inheritance? Said, Dad, what is my inheritance? I want my inheritance. Give me my inheritance today. And the father took that inheritance and he divided it up among his two sons. And then this son that we call the prodigal son, he was just an unfaithful son. But it was a faithful father. And we have a faithful father. Nothing prodigal about him. He was just a brat. But that's what he thought. His inheritance was, he said, what is my inheritance, Dad? Obviously. He didn't understand the value 
of what it is to inherit something. I mean, you know, my hope is that nobody in this room, not my kids or your kids or you, are thinking about your parents. I wonder what my inheritance is. I wonder if I could just read their will. (laughs) Don't let them. But he asked, what is my inheritance? And he took his inheritance and he squandered it, not understanding what that inheritance could become. Had he asked, Dad, where is my inheritance? And the father said, it's in a safe place. And I'm going to release it to you at the appointed time. You keep growing. See, this young man was not prepared, Jacob. He was not prepared for the inheritance. Knowing what the inheritance is does not mean I'm prepared to receive the inheritance. Knowing that your promise, inheritance, is eternity with God, knowing that does not mean you're prepared to receive that inheritance. Had he asked, Dad, where is the inheritance? Because I have a vision for the future. He would have built on what was his inheritance and increased its potential. Dad, where is my inheritance? Son, your inheritance can be found in me. Ask the right question. Don't ask me what the value is. Ask me, where is it? So that I can say to you, it is in me. And I will begin to release to you those things that are going to grow you and prepare you to be able to receive that inheritance at the appointed time. The where is more important than the what. Let's talk about visualizing the unseen. Let's turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Listen to this, verse 8. Though you have not seen him, visualize the unseen, though you have not seen him in whom your inheritance lies... You love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We can choose to accept only what is given us, the what, or 
We can choose to petition the Father for his inheritance for us, the where, and live our lives in such a way to receive that inheritance. I was thinking the other day about um, this whole thing, especially if you're a football fan, um, you'll see, you'll know what I'm talking about in this commercial. But Budweiser has a commercial and that commercial is really focused, I think it's Bud, maybe it's Bush, I don't know. It's one of the beers. And they have this commercial that really focuses on the designated driver. And it talks about, it's very, it's a kind way of saying it. I wish they would just put on there, don't be stupid and drive drunk. But they put on there, they make it really nice. And if you're going to drive, if you're going to drink and you're going to do this and you've you, you got to drive, then, you know, you need this thing, designated driver, and that says, Choose to be a designated driver. In other words, somebody that will elect to do that. And I thought, you know, as I see these things and I witness things around me and and how people are when they get around these things and they lose sight of their inheritance. And I think, you know what? I never want to be in a position where I need a designated driver. I don't want anybody deciding for me how I'm going to get from here to there. No one will ever decide for me how I get from here to there. The only time somebody has to decide for me how I get from here to there to my inheritance is when I have lost passion for what the Father has promised me. If I ever get to a place where I need someone to drive for me because in light of the beer commercial, I have drank too much, I need to ask myself, at what point did I exit Christ and enter Adam? Anybody hear me? No matter what I'm doing, I don't want somebody to determine that. So in that same spirit, the coach inherits a team. The president inherits the White House. A a parent, I mean, a child inherits what came with a parent. But the child, the president, and the coach do not have to accept that my parent is my designated driver forever. Listen to me. That the previous administration will be my designated driver and get me where I have to go, where I need to go. That the previous coach suddenly has become my designated driver to get me where I need to be. No, 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 no. When you came into this earth and you were born into a family and there was an inheritance that was allotted to you, I can tell you the greater inheritance isn't what you were given when you breathed your first breath. Or when you took over that team or you you entered into that administration. The greater inheritance is what the Father promised for you. Before he breathed flesh into dirt or breath into dirt. But before he even sent you, he said, I have an inheritance for you. Don't ask me what it is. Just go and say, where is it? How do I achieve that? How do I get there? Somebody in this room, we need to start asking the question, Father, you have something amazing for me. It's before me. It's in front of my eyes. If I can't see it, remove the veil. But I want to see what your inheritance is for me. Where is it? And help me get there. Help me get there. Help me. To repent of those things that have hindered me. Help me to repent for accepting that this is my lot. Help me to get to the point where I never say again. Let this be the testimony of this house. 
None of us ever say again, well, I just do this because I picked it up from my, my legacy is this. My, everyone in my family, they've always done this. Everyone in my line, this is the way it's always been for them, so I'm just kind of stuck with that. You exited Christ and entered Adam. You got out of life and you got into knowledge. You got out of faith. And you got into a mess. I'm telling you today. The question isn't, what is my inheritance? Because every single person in this room, if I went in here and I said in the natural, what is your inheritance? Well, this is what I came from. This is where I was born into. This is what I, I believe I'm getting. This is what it is. And we all look at it that way. But I'm going to tell you, the, the greater treasure is not where we, what we find in our parents' bank account. The greatest treasure is, Father, what have you set up for me? Where is the inheritance you have for me? When that son, when that boy came back to that daddy and he said, Dad, I've come home. I'm not even worthy to be called a son. I'm sorry. I repent. You know why? That daddy... Gave him everything that he had, the very best that he had, because that son came and he wasn't interested in the inheritance. He was interested in the relationship. And because of the relationship, the inheritance, the greater came. Before that day, when that boy went out and he said, give me my inheritance, he was interested in the, he was interested in what he could get. He was not interested in the relationship and relationship takes time. We grow in it. I go all the way back to talking about the Father doesn't change, but we change. Our understanding of Him changes. I go all the way back to that. When we grow in our relationship with the Father, I'm telling you, we learn more and more every day. That inheritance increases. But I'm never, I did not come to Christ so that I could have a lot. I can tell you the day that I got saved, there were no bells and whistles. I didn't see smoke clouds. I didn't see fireworks. I didn't see any of that. I didn't even feel like, woohoo, I'm saved. I felt nothing. I just believed that when I prayed with that preacher, I believed I was saved. And I've believed it ever since. And my life began to change. Suddenly, I wasn't doing what I did before. And it wasn't because, again, that on that day that I got saved, all of a sudden, well, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And, I'm, you know, this is what it's supposed to be. In fact, you've heard me tell the story. They were giving me all the laws that I needed to live by. And I was like, I can't. I can't do that one. That one won't work out for me right now. But over time, because I pressed into the Father, I began to realize my inheritance is in Him. My parents don't have anything to leave to me. That doesn't make them bad or evil or whatever. My dad died eight years ago. But when he died and went to be with... God, eight years ago, you know what I got? I got a knife and a watch. I got a knife and a watch. Now, I didn't look at that knife and that watch and say, wow, I'm investing this. I'm going to make a lot with this. I'm going to do a lot with it. I'm going to go buy a house with this. Because in, to you, there's no value. But to me, it meant everything. Then sometime later, I didn't know it, and my wife had called my stepmother and asked for some of his shirts, and, and she sent some shirts, and Karen Hoffman made me a quilt out of my dad's shirts. That means more to me than the knife and the watch. 
But this is what I know. If I get caught up in what is my inheritance and lose sight of where it is and where it's coming from, I'm going to miss the opportunity today to be a demonstration. For you and me today, listen to me. There are people outside this building right now. You're going to encounter them today, and you're going to encounter them tomorrow. Your inheritance comes because you have a relationship, and the inheritance that's coming to you, the Father already has laid up. In fact, I didn't read the Scripture, but there is a Scripture in the Second Testament. He talks about the inheritance that's ready for you and me that's already in His hand. It's already there. But He doesn't tell us what it is. But you can only access it with salvation, through salvation. You can access it through salvation. The more I know about him, the less I look like the old me. When that boy came to that daddy and he said, give me my inheritance, he did that because he didn't care about the relationship with his daddy. I'm sure he loved his daddy. But he didn't appreciate the words that his daddy was speaking to him. He didn't appreciate the wisdom that his father had. All he thought about was bells and whistles. But then when he got that, he realized, there's more to my daddy than has met my eye. I need to go get to know my dad. And he goes back, certainly because he had lost everything. He was tired of starving, probably much thinner than he was when he left. But when that dad says, kill the fattest calf we've got, Get a robe and a ring. And the other son, I'm not even going to get into that right now, but it, it worked out. But he said, kill the fattest calf you've got and get a robe and a ring. And I want you to put it on this boy. My son who is lost has now been found. My son who saw what his inheritance was now understands where his inheritance is coming from. And it isn't coming from good investments. It's coming from relationship and living in such a way that that relationship can produce something eternal. Do you hear me today? I'm telling you today, there are things in me that's grieving because when I look around, I don't know. I think I've addressed this before. Let me wrap it up with this. But when I look around, just at people, generally, the earth, the world, you know, when I came to Christ, I don't know, you know, I, I, I don't know. When I came to Christ, there was just no looking back. Denise, I wasn't looking for excuses to do what I wanted to do. I was looking for a way, Father, how can I honor you? Even though I haven't seen you, as we just read a moment ago, you still will find faith in me. Even though you're unseen, you're still going to find faith in me. There's something in you that I'm passionate about. Clean me up so that I can get into those places. See, I had to prepare myself. Kim and I had to prepare ourselves to dive deeper into those things so that we could get a better view of all that was under the water that we could never see before. 
Can I speak to your heart today? Can I implore you today? Prepare yourself to get a better view of what the Father has stored up for you. Prepare yourself to know Him better, to to get into Him and to ask Him and to talk to Him and and to say, I want to know you. I really want to know you. There was never a time since July the 8th, 1985, not one single day since July the 8th, 1985, that I've ever looked at the Father and I said, boy, this was a bum deal. You're really ruining my plans because you're requiring this of me and you're requiring that of me. But every requirement led me to something that was explosively amazing. Every time he said, do this, and in my mind it looked like, oh, I'm going to have to give something up. Man, this is drudgery. I got to give that up, you know, if I'm going to serve God and this is what he's calling me to, I'm going to have to give that up. But every single time, even if I had that momentary lapse into Adam, when I walked away from that thing and I moved in to the inheritance that he had set before me, that measure of that inheritance, and I found out where the true inheritance was, suddenly I get in there and bang, this thing is amazing. That thing that I was so concerned about and didn't want to let go of and didn't want to give up, suddenly I find it pales in comparison to this wow moment. How did I ever let myself get caught up in clinging to these things that took me away? If I could have just recognized where my true inheritance came from. And I watch today, and I watch, and this is what grieves my spirit, but I watch today as young people, this younger generation, and not just young people, but so much more, they move in and out of their relationship. They squander their inheritance because they're doing this thing and they're doing that thing and they're not giving any credence. They don't give any depth or any measure to what the Father's really holding out for them and what He's holding in His hand for them. And He's saying, listen, I'm holding this thing for you, but you're not developing that relationship with me. If you don't develop that relationship with me, you're never going to see what's unseen. But I want you to visualize it today. I'm holding something amazing for you. Stop, stop living in such a way that it is, there's a sense that I don't really matter. Stop living in such a way that in your mind you think, I'll fix it tomorrow. Young people, young adults, people, everyone under the sound of my voice, can we rearrange our position today? Can we stop looking at the inheritance that we have, the what? And can we look now to the where? My inheritance is coming from something greater than anything I've walked in so far. And I'm going to position myself to move into those deep places to receive that. What does that mean? Change, man, change. I would not in any way apply laws to you because you're going to break them in the same way that I did in the same way Israel did. They told me you can never go to a movie again. You've come to Christ and Jesus doesn't like movies. And my thought, I love them. And I'm going today. (laughs) I didn't do it to be defiant. I just didn't know any better. I was new in that thing. And I still go today. But I'm careful about what I go to. 
How can I say it? There's a lot of pig trough living. Accepting what you've, you think you've been given. And not enough visualizing the unseen. If you find yourself in a hole filled with mud and hogs this morning, can I encourage you today? See yourself in a place in the Father where you don't play with the hogs. You eat them if you want to. See yourself out of that place. Ah, you just, you just don't understand. That's good preaching, you know. That sounds good, but, it, you know, it just isn't applicable, and it's not going to work. I'm going to tell you it is. I'm going to tell you it's applicable. I'm going to tell you not only is it applicable, it is possible. Not only is it possible, it is relevant. Not only is it relevant, you can do it. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, you do not have to accept the inheritance that was put before you. Stop looking at the what. This is what I got. And I'm going to do the best with what I've got. We've all said that. I'm going to do the best I can with what I've been given. Baloney. I'm not going to do the best I can with what I've been given. What I'm going to do is I'm going to receive what I've been given. And I'm going to say, Father, I'm going to get to know you. And you're going to take what I've been giving and you're given and you're going to multiply it. You're going to increase it. You're going to turn it into what it needs to be. You're going to cause that pig trough to become a place not where I live, but a place where I draw resources from. I'll sell the pigs. I'm going to get to the place where I'm selling pigs, not living with them. Now, you need to hear me today. Where there's passion. In his hand is the unseen inheritance. Christ is for you. If you are for Christ, change is coming. Not just in word. So I'm challenging this morning. I'm going to wrap it up. Have I done this already? Have I wrapped it up already? This is, the, this is the real wrapping. This is the ribbon. I was going to ask you to stand and then join me in the front, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to say to you this morning, you know where you're at. You know where you're at. You know where you're living. You know in what ways you honor the Father, and you know in what ways you don't. Find that passion in you that says, I am after the Father. And I am going to begin to rearrange things that are in my life that do not honor him. Yes. If I went around this room today and I said, what do you do that does not honor the Father? Every single per probably most every person in this room could tell me something right now. What do you do that don't, doesn't honor the Father? Well, you know, I, this thing because I've always done it and I just have a hard time getting over it. Well, you can get over it. You can get through it. Yep. But most of what we do that does not honor God, we do because we inherited that. But we need to see a different inheritance. Right. Don't focus on what you have. Focus on where it is that he wants to get you. But to get there, I've got to prepare myself. Yeah. 
I'm going to have to take a class. I'm going to have to learn. I'm going to have to listen to somebody. I'm going to have to let somebody teach me. I might have to let somebody actually help me. Agree with me. Pray with me. Stand with me. Walk with me. Whatever it might be. But there's a where that the Father has stored up for you. There is a where. Stand with me if you would, please. Father, I today honor you. I'm thankful. Thankful for your word. I'm thankful that you teach us and you change us and you reveal to us in your time and your way what it is that you want us to grow into. It is my heart and the heart of this people to dive deeper into you, to know you more and more. We believe in the unseen because we have faith. In that belief, can we pursue that with the same faith? Can we pursue the unseen with the same faith? Today, I strike hands with you and this people, declaring that within us there is a passion, there is a hunger to get beyond where we are. In the heart and mind of every single person that's in this room and watching online today, whatever there might be that is in our lives that we allow to be a part of us that dishonors you, Holy Spirit, help us today to be honest with ourselves and you, to recognize what those things are, and then to lean on you to walk us through it. Father, help us today to find our passion, to be as that prodigal son, to realize that when we have come, even before we come to the end of our own means, we come running home and say, Father, forgive us. Not because we want a ring or a robe, not because we want to eat of the fatted calf, but because we want right relationship with you. And when that relationship is right, everything that is in you is in the same way in us. I pray for this people today. May all of us see, all of us hear, and all of us receive everything that was in your heart to release to us today. And may we not walk out these doors and let it simply pass. But in walking out this door, may we rehearse over and over and over again how much you love us and what you have stored up for us. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen.